everybody, welcome, and thank you for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. My name is Zach Brittle. I'm here with Laura Heck. I'm fresh back from California where I played a little bit, worked a little bit. I went to a conference where I took in a ton of information, met a ton of cool people, had some seeds planted, had some questions that came up for me. Laura and I bat them around today. Um, I really enjoyed getting an opportunity to sort of explore those with her. Uh, before we get started, though, I wish you all very happy holidays. I think this is as close as we get to Christmas. So those of you who celebrate Christmas, hope it's very merry. We're celebrating anything else, hope it's grand. Um, I like to say happy all the things. Again, thank you, uh, as always, for being a part of the Marriage Therapy Radio family. This is a very cool conversation. Stick around. You got your elf ears on and you're like, what is that? A ball gown? No, it's a, this is, it's a sequence. You guys, I dressed up for Zach today because we don't normally record on Saturdays. And I, I mean, I live my life in workout clothes, but I had to shower and do my hair and makeup because we record our faces when we do the podcast. And if you hear jingling, it's because I decided <laughs> to put on my son's elf ears. Mm-hmm. And if I was going to put elf ears on, I was also going to put on my red sequence jumpsuit. So here, I'm going to stand up so you can see it. Okay. Thank oh, you. The whole thing. Ta-da! How fun is that? All right. That is fun. Now it is fun. Now I'm going to, I have many fancy parties this week. Many. Right on. But now I'm going to put a jacket on because I, I don't, I don't want to sit here in my red sequence jumpsuit the whole time. Do you podcast. know why the tiny drop of ink was so sad? Why? Because his mother was in the pen and he didn't know how long the sentence was going to be. Aw, nuts. <laughs> That was good. It's been a while since I ripped good. out a jad joke. I liked it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know. We have we have a lot to cover because there's been a lot happening since I saw you last. Yeah. And I'm sure and your this brain is, is filled basically with Basically, this is our Christmas episode, which is why I have my Santa hat on. And it's the only episode that we have. Like, we haven't talked about whether or not it's a Christmas episode or a holiday episode, but this comes out right before. We haven't talked Christmas. at all. This is no. what happens is we get on the podcast. Both of us were wearing hats, which is extra mm-hmm. fun. And I have a, um, I have one. I've got on a red and black button down with a green hoodie. So I'm doing like me. straight up mm-hmm. um, Christmas. We celebrate yeah. Christmas. If you celebrate something other than Christmas, I hope it's really happy and that you would love it. And that's amazing sure. for you. So we're recording it and it's actually nine days out. So we're, I just wanted to give people a <laughs> so heads up. Long. It's so long because, because because Thanksgiving was so early this year and there's like an extra week in the middle. Said no complaints ever. No, I, it's I am great. Just Last fine year was super short because Thanksgiving yeah. was like on the 29th or something. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah, I'm liking this one. We have not decorated at all. Are you guys decorated at your house? Oh, totally. 100%. I know your Christmas like, lights are on point. We know yeah, that are. from a previous episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what's Chris? You know whose Christmas lights are on point is Disneyland. Those guys go all <gasps> out. Christmas. Let me Touché. tell you that. If you've been tracking the Instagram, you wait, did you, did you post no, a picture of you and Rebecca? No. We will put it on there. It, yeah. It's pretty cute. It's yeah. pretty cute. So was that your idea or, or Rebecca's idea to dress up? Well, uh, a little bit of both. Like we, 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 I went down uh, to do some client work, met with some clients early in the week. And then I had a conference at the back end of the week and so we just decided we're going to use the middle two days to go to the parks and just kind of like play. So we went with yeah. our neighbors. They're Disney nuts. It was crazy. They right. took, they like, they totally managed the whole trip for us. Like they took us around all the spots and we were like, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it. So the first day we did what's yeah. called Disney bounding, which is where you like, you don't put on a Disney costume, but you like evoke a Disney costume, like with your colors and your, 
and your okay. like kind of just your, your generalized design. So Rebecca was Winnie Hold the Pooh. Hold on, there's an actual word that describes oh, yeah, the, the way that you dress Disney founding. It's a very, very uh, popular kind of hip thing okay. in the Disney world. Like You're so hip. Um, cool. Yeah. There's like entire TikTok right. channels dedicated to like, now we're going to go like, you know, Mrs. Potts from... Uh, what's it called? Beauty and the Beast. Do you get oh, Rebecca to go around and like and guess? No, you mean Eeyore. Yeah, I was Eeyore and she was Winnie the Pooh and that was amazing. But I mean, I guess you could guess when you notice somebody, you're like, hey, I love your outfit, you know, but you don't like, it's not a game or anything. So okay. our favorite part though, was we Is went that- into Critter Kingdom. Yes. And we met Tigger and Tigger was like, he went bananas over our outfits because he recognized us and he, we were like his friends all of a sudden. And it was yeah. really cool. Yeah. So. The Eeyore is like super appropriate for you, I have to say. Totally. Um, <laughs> yep. Not have to work very hard. Yeah. You wouldn't have known that he was Eeyore except for you You put the Eeyore tail on your backpack. And totally. so it was behind you and it was just tagged onto your backpack. Other than that, you were just wearing Eeyore cl- clothes, right? It was no, just like the color of your on. clothing. I had pink socks. Yeah. I had pink sunglasses because Eeyore is blue and gray and pink. So... Yeah, the socks were adorable, by the way. Super cute. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm having one of those moments where it's it's about 930 in the morning. I'm still in my pajamas right now. I've been making breakfast. I have been scrubbing toilets and I have been uh, washing muddy paws off of my dogs. I do not feel sexy at all. And yet it doesn't seem to matter because my husband still wants to come up from behind me, give me a little grope. And it's like he's expecting that I'm going to be able to switch gears immediately and turn toward him and give him like a luscious kiss. It's just not going to happen. I'm sorry, honey, but I do have a secret because it is hard for me to switch gears in the middle of the day when I'm working with clients, when I am a mom, when I am doing household duties, and then also want to show up as this erotic being that's turning toward my partner. So here's my secret sauce. It keeps my brain engaged in the erotic side as well, while I'm also living out my everyday life. It's called Dipsy. Dipsy is... It's like these short audio, sexy, erotic stories, and they're only about 15 minutes long. So if I go for a dog walk, I'm putting uh, on my Dipsy app and I'm going to scroll through and find the actor voices that I really like. The British male is my favorite, I will admit. And it's going to play through this erotic story almost as if I was reading it, but I'm listening to it, which is even more powerful. And it's allowing my brain to switch into the erotic side long enough so that when I get home, It's not such a stark contrast between me being a wife and a mom and a housewife and all of those things. I can also engage that erotic side of me because I'm listening to these short stories. So I do yourself a little favor and check out Dipsy for the listeners of the show. Dipsy is offering an extended 30 day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash MTR. That's 30 days of full free access. When you go to Dipsy Stories, it's spelled D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash M-T-R. Dipsy stories.com slash M-T-R. Tell me about your conference because you went and you went to the Psychotherapy Networker Conference, which I've never been to. I've been to one major conference as a therapist in my life, and it was the one that t- like turned me. Um, where I wasn't even a therapist. I wasn't in school to become a therapist. And I, the marriage and family therapist conference came through Long Beach, California in like 2000 and I don't know, eight, 
mm-hmm. probably 2008. And that I, I decided to attend and didn't know anything about therapy. And I went and then after that, I was applying for grad school. So that was my first and last conference I've ever been to. But how was this one? Um, it was really fun. I went to this, the Evolution of Psychotherapy conference. Um, yeah. And it, uh, you know, it's a five day conference. I really only went to one day and I went primarily for, to connect with some people, not necessarily to consume content. Then there's, there's just way, way more content to consume than I think is reasonable for anybody. And unless you're like a voracious note taker, (laughs) which I am not, then, um, it's like drinking from a fire hose. Um, but I really went and I went, I picked the day that I wanted. There were a few people that I really wanted to meet and see. Which were, you going to name drop? Well, John and Julie taught that day. Um, so yep. I, I went to their session. Um, mm-hmm. Ellen Bader was there. She uh, is kind of one of the giants in kind of the origination of couples therapy. She runs what's called the Couples Institute with her husband. So I got to hear her te- teach. Um, Harville Hendricks and his wife were there. They were teaching. Um, mm-hmm. he is she is, also a therapist? I don't, yeah, I don't know. Okay, cool. Um, and they were, they, that was really cool. They like, the, I mean, they're pioneers. I mean, literally pioneers in the, in the couples therapy world. Stan Tackett was there. Cir- we, I'm going to circle back to Mrs. Hen- uh, Hendricks in a second, but uh, go ahead. Yeah, Her name is Kelly LaHunt. I think she doesn't have his last name, but. Um, okay. But um, Stan, Ta- Stan Tackett was there. He was really cool. He actually didn't lecture. He almost like, he almost like modeled. He had a couple come up from the crowd and sat them down. And then he basically did therapy with them while while teaching the room so he wasn't huh. like it was they weren't a real couple they were role-playing but like he oh. it was like and then he would go time out this is what i'm doing right here this is what this is like and this is why i'm doing this and so he kept awesome. he would go back and forth and kind of do that um yeah but the highlight for me no question hands down was i got to see gabor mate um uh-huh. he is this um He's a medical doctor. He's a physician out of Vancouver, British Columbia. He's also a Holocaust survivor um, mm-hmm. and has all of this insight into um, kind of how uh, compassion works and how compassion works relative to addiction or relative to ADHD or relative to. Um, I saw him twice. He did an hour long lecture, which was fine. I, again, I kind of, I don't really consume hour long lectures all that well. Um, so I was sort of in and out kind of, Maybe I was even texting you or something from time to time, but um, but then then after lunch he did an hour long Q and A, where uh-huh. he like passed the mic around the room and um there there had to have been two three hundred people in the room, and um you know somebody would ask a question and he he walked around and he like talked to them like face to face with his yeah. microphone and kind of answered the question through both personal and therapeutic lens and it was incredible like he blew my mind, um mm. so now I'm gonna be like could like like not obsessed, but I'll be, I'll be really looking into his stuff. Well, let's Here's call the a coolest part though. Here, what's that? Let's call a spade a spade. The, there might be some obsession. Totally. No, like he, he might be yeah. my new thing. He definitely has an yeah. area of expertise that I do not have, which is um, a, like gentleness and compassion and like patience and like um, empathy. And I, I have access to all of those things, but it's just not my area of like real competence and expertise. Right. So right. <clears throat> watching him and wanting to be like, oh my God, that was brilliant. Wanting to like learn that. I think it will be kind of a new layer of inquiry for me. Inquiry for me. Um, yeah. And here's the coolest part though. I talked to 
Ellen Bader. I talked to Harville Hendricks. I talked to Gabor Mate. All three of them agreed to come on the podcast. Heck yeah. That's really um, cool. So all of these big names that are rock stars to us that have informed the field of couples therapy, the field of therapy in general, are going to come and just teach teach our audience. So if you are a therapist- Well, they said they would. That's awesome. They said they would on a a Thursday in Anaheim, California. Now I have to do the follow-up and book them and all that other stuff. But coming up in 2024, maybe some interviews with some of these folks that are really doing- Really cool work. Yeah. Ellen Bader, I, I've never really, I've never really like grokked with her work. Like I've never really kind of gotten, but she, her lecture was about trauma and trauma informed couples therapy, which was uh-huh. very cool to kind of, um, she also did a little bit like, um, she had three different examples from her own like practice or clinic. One was just a transcript yeah. that she read. One was an actual thing that she showed. And then one was something else that she did, but it was really cool. It was really cool to just kind of take all that in. And um, and then I saw Michael. I saw Michael. He just, I was actually like walking around the- Brother. I was yeah. walking around the uh, the exhibit and he was like, Zach. And yeah. I didn't know anybody in the whole place knew my name. So Except for our mutual friend, which is super fun. We have a um, new mutual friend. We now have a second yeah. mutual friend. That's pretty cool. That's true. Yeah. So whenever we say our mutual friend, we're going to have to clarify, clarify if it's our male mutual friend or our female mutual friend. Um, yeah, she was fun. Here's was the big news. Her and yeah, um, yeah. Learn about what big news made her on take. my end. Uh, while you were busy doing that, I was texting you. I was texting you pictures of a dessert that I made. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Yes. So yeah. here's what's really cool. If you go back to episode 291, which is us when we were talking to Dr. Monique Thompson, um, she was talking about infidelity and recovery, but there is a bonus at the end, which is where <laughs> she gets into great detail about her secret recipe for replicating the lemon, nothing but bunt cake. And she gives all of these like nuanced things like you have to use a butter extract and you have to frost the pan with uh, sugar Uh, to give it like a crunchy exterior and you have to use the white chocolate chips to make it really moist, all these things. And you know, it's really fun. I got an email of a listener that recreated the cake and said it was awesome. Uh, This is someone who attended one of our workshops, by the way. So shout out to you because he listens to the podcast. Uh, And then I recreated the cake for my mother-in-law who loves you um, Mm -hmm. for her 78th birthday. So Mm -hmm. it was delicious. I love it. I was really, I really, it. really happy. It's all coming yeah. together. It's all coming together. It is. It is coming together. Um, so whenever we go to conferences like this, it usually lights a lot up. Did you come up with like a lot of things that you wanted to talk about on the podcast? I was kind of expecting for you to just drive a topic. A little bit. I, I actually I actually want to ask you a question. I had, like I said, I went down Sunday and I did some client work with some folks. And um, I, I said a few things in that session that I want to know what you think. Um. Okay. Because kind of, you know, how to it be is. honest, sometimes stuff throat. comes out of your mouth and you're like, oh, um, huh. But here, yeah, totally. But here's one. Th- so here's one, for example, um, I, when I said this, they both wrote it down. I was like, that's gotta be good. I don't, I don't know if I've ever said that before, but <laughs> they're like, we're going to put it in a letter and this is yeah. going to be the reason we break up with you. <laughs> no, here's what I said. I said, um, every Every conversation can go well. That's it. Do you believe that? Every conversation can go well. <laughs> you really? I mean, I was like waiting for the rest of it. Uh, no, every that's do it. I believe it? 
every conversation can go well. Uh, yeah, I think that there's possibility for anything. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I asked some real clients yesterday. I, I was back in my office yesterday and I, asked, I had this couple real, sitting in front of me. These like, were not real clients for you? They, well, they, yeah, you, but like, you, not, not you. I didn't ask you. I asked like actual okay, clients. Okay, I got it. Said, You're like, we what do doing, you think of this? We we're actually doing the work. And I said, hey, every, right. every client, every every conversation can go well. I think by extension, every conflict can go well. Every interaction can go well. Every shopping trip can go well. Because they were talking about how they had a bad shopping trip. They went shopping for Christmas and he didn't like shopping. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Does that mean it does, does that mean it can't go well? You know, and so we just yeah. were batting this around. But I but I wonder about this premise. If everything can go well, if every conversation can go well, then then what is then what? Then what do you think? Mm, if you buy into that, I think that's a good solid place to be in. When if I was to say every conversation can go well and my clients looked at me and said, absolutely not, not with this person, not with not with their reactivity, not with blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Then I would say, man, that's a really hard place to be in, to lose yeah. hope, to feel like you don't have control in the outcome. And if yeah. you don't have control in the outcome, what's the point? Similarly, my, yesterday, my client said everything can go well if the stars align. Uh, I was like, the stars align. You mean we're just like hoping that the stars align? Like. What about yeah. if you, what about if you change your own behavior, your own perspective or your own commitment to making sure this goes well? I mean, you can get into a conversation. What's the point of being in therapy if you're waiting for the stars to align? Hmm. Here's, an, here's the other one, right? If you're in a conversation that's not going well, and then you remember this can go well, maybe mm-hmm. there's an opportunity to go, hold up, hold up, hold up. This isn't going well. How about we yep. start over? Or how about we pivot? Yeah. Or how about I check myself internally and just grapple with the thing that's happening for me, which by the way, was a lot of what Gabor Mate did. He turned every, somebody would ask a question, but how do I deal with this kind of client? Yeah. Cause they make me anxious. And he would start talking to the, to the question asker about their anxiety. Totally. You know, not about what to do with mm-hmm. the client whose behavior was anxiety provoking. He was like, what's up with your anxiety? Where is that coming from? What do you need to do about that? What do you need? To, maybe you should just let that be true. Even if you feel anxious, you don't have to respond out of your anxiety, you know? Um, so it was it was actually really, really fascinating. Okay, this just jogged. What you just said to me was really powerful. And all you were doing was, was you know, repeating what? Channeling. Gaber? Garber? Gabor. Gabor Mate. Channeling. Gabor Mate. It's G-O-B-A-R. G-A-B-O-R. G-A-B. Oh, I got those mixed up. Sweet little G-A-B-O-R. M-A-T-E. Okay. You said, what if that was true? It's that's such an interesting phrase for a second. I'm sorry mm-hmm. to derail this, but okay. the fact that that you said, what if that was true, especially with anxiety or depression, do we not try and talk ourselves out of it so much? I mm-hmm. literally spent the last three days of my body being in physical pain, my stomach mm-hmm. being upset, just being in physical pain because I was tired and I was overwhelmed and we've been going, going, going and I haven't had a moment of rest and I'm an introvert and I need to like be alone and do my thing, which is by the way, what I'm doing today, self-care. But I didn't allow it to be true. And I and mm-hmm. I, if, if somebody had just said, Laura, pause for a second, you feel like crap. You're, you're overwhelmed, you're exhausted, your digestive system is completely off. You've been drinking like a maniac with all these holiday parties, like something's mm-hmm. wrong. What if it was true that you were tired and overwhelmed mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you just allowed it to be? 
I wish somebody would have said that to me three days ago and it didn't take me three days of trying to push forward before I finally said, I can't do it anymore. Like I literally, I cannot go to another holiday party. I can't go, which is why I'm dressed up because I didn't get to wear this last night. I wanted to wear it, but I didn't go because I allowed it to be true. And I leaned into the fact that I was like, guess what? You're an introvert. Guess what? You need to restore. Guess what? You (laughs) need to maybe not have more food and beverage tonight. Yeah. Um, Wow. I like that phrase. I'm going to steal that. Closer to his message is something like, what if it was true? But what if it was true and there was nothing wrong with that? Like, there's nothing right. wrong with you that yes. you're anxious. Or there's nothing wrong with you that you're depressed. It's just, it just is, it just is. Yeah. Right. So I was at Disneyland. We went yeah. two days. We were at, we, we started the days at rope drop, which means we were the first people in the park. And we ended the days when, when the parks closed. Literally, I was there that the entire miserable. time. Sounds yeah, awful. It, it is. Yeah. It was. My feet hurt. <laughs> But I kept pushing. My, I kept pushing myself. I was like, "Once in a lifetime, gonna do this. We're gonna figure it out. We're gonna check the boxes. We're gonna, you know." But about halfway through the second day, I just said to my friends and my wife, "I go, you guys, just so you know, like Rebecca obviously already knew, but to my friends, I was like, I've been in a little bit of a depressive episode since about early November. This is the manifestation. Uh-huh. I'm grumpy. I'm down. I'm not very resilient. Everything is big. I I look like something's wrong with me. I'm okay." You don't have to worry about me. I, I will, I will sort it, I'll sort it out, but I can't like, mm-hmm. I don't have the energy to muster that I'm having fun because I'm not having fun, but I, I can have fun. <laughs> I just need to like take the part out where I feel ashamed or I feel like I have to apologize or I feel like you guys need to know. Yes. I need to take that part right. out so that I can just be like, all right, I'm going to take my sore feet to the place. And so it was just really cool to have that reinforced in a kind of a therapeutic way, even in a practical way, but same for you. Like, I'm just, it's okay. You're just tired. You know why you're tired? Cause you're a human yeah. being yeah. and you're going too hard and that's okay. Yeah. I call it the double whammy. Um, and I've had that conversation quite frequently where, uh, like I have a client in particular where he gets, uh, when he feels like he has a lack of control in making plans, this is very general, um, but it is a real client. So yeah, when his wife, who's very proactive, makes plans and he is not as proactive, he feels like he doesn't have any control in the situation. And when he gets in those moments where maybe they're on vacation or they're traveling or they're you know, doing something on the weekend, she has plotted the course because he didn't have a say. She's proactive and all of that. And he Uh said, the moment I start to feel like I have a lack of control, I get grumpy Uh and I don't want to do anything. And I, once I start to get grumpy, then I start to judge myself. That's the double whammy. Cause it's like Uh what you're talking about. Like, what if you just allowed it to be and said, Uh it's okay. It's okay that you're frustrated, that you feel like you have a lack of control. It's okay that you are in a depressive state right now. And you're not going to be in the same state that you were, let's say two years ago when you were at Disneyland. Uh, it's okay that yeah. you burned out from the holiday season. You just need to restore yourself for a day. But when you layer on that lack of self-compassion and acceptance for yourself and you lean into more of the shame and the judgment, that's the double whammy. And I like what you're pulling from this is he's basically saying it's okay that you're having these this experience of anxiety or depression or frustration or anger or irritability or whatever it might be, but don't give yourself the double whammy of that a, lack of compassion that then that judgment. I love that. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, our mutual friend was talking about, she's really into parts work. Yeah. Like, um, so there's, there's, she's like, oh, this morning I talked to the part of me that X, like I hung out uh-huh. with the part of me that needed X. And I was like, oh, that's intriguing. But you know, 
I think along the same lines, like there's only a part of you that's depressed. There's only a part Mm -hmm. of you that's anxious. Mm -hmm. There's only a part of you that's irritable. And that part needs to be validated and honored. And I think that can be validated and honored by the part of you that believes everything can go well or believes Mm. I really do love this person or believes that there is a, there is an opportunity to find gratitude even in the midst of this. One thing that I thought was like really intriguing and I'll have to spend more time with this, but this guy asked a question of Gabor Mate and he said, I have these clients and I'm trying to get to talk to them about their trauma. And every time I do that, they create resistance and that resistance is really aggressive and that makes me anxious. And then I start to do it. And then we, then when they say, and Gabor Mate goes, how are you feeling right now? And he said, I'm, I'm feeling actually kind of anxious right now. He goes, okay. Yeah. So what if I started, what if I was also feeling anxious and I spoke to you out of my anxiety? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. He said, I would probably shut down. He goes, that's what's happening to your clients. Yeah. He's like, that's probably what's happening to your wife. That's probably what's happening to your husband. Like if you speak out of your, at the part of you that needs to be anxious or needs to be depressed, it's right. going to generate another response in your, in the, in the other, in the other that yeah. is unhelpful. So right. let that part of you breathe and then speak out of the part of you that has a little bit more self-awareness because that person, that part is there too, you know? Yeah. We talk about that with uh, having couples recognize that your dynamic between the two of you is a dance. It's not just your partner showing up defensive. It's how you are approaching your partner with potentially some criticism or potentially some anxiety and they can, they're feeding off of that anxiety. And I, I like that you, are calling to action the fact that as therapists, we are modeling this in the room. How I show up is going to impact my clients. How you show up is going to impact your partner and how they respond back to you. Um, And with parenting, we know this first and foremost, like when your child is crying, the way to soothe your child is to pull them onto like a soft and tender place and to to calm your breathing. And so that child is going to then co-regulate with you and is going to feel your energy and your heart rate. And it's going to start to slow and soften. And if you're unable to do that for your child, the rule of thumb is pass the baby off. If you are going to get activated by your kiddo crying and it's going to put you up into an anxious state and your heart's going to start flying, it's not going to do that child any good to be held close while you're anxious. So pass the baby to somebody else who's calm and soothing. Yeah. Well, that's fascinating. It is. It really, it really is. And I think um, that, you know, again, just sort of chicken and egging as you talk and I go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the point of therapy and how does you do with the parts? And yeah, I had a client last week, <clears throat> she took me on in session, like mm-hmm. kind of at the beginning, she said, I have a bone to pick with you. And nice. I kind of Good saw it coming. Like, I sort of know, I sort of knew. And, and as soon as she said it, I knew exactly what she was talking about from the previous week. But I watched her husband like visibly recoil. He was like, "Uh uh-oh, this is our last therapy session. Like this is, this is not going to go well because here comes the fight. Mm -hmm. And she goes, I have a bone to pick with you. And I go, right on. Let's, I said, let's do it. I go, and and I was thinking in my head, this could go well. How could this go well? And so I just, I just met her. I just met her like point for point. And, and, um, and at the end I was like, are we good? Do we, do you you get what you needed? And she was like, yep. And then I immediately turned to him and I was like, so what's happening for you right now? Like what? And he was just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm in complete awe that that did not go problematically. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. why? He goes, cause I can't, I can't. And I, so we talked a little bit about, you know, what, what actually happened between she and I. 
and mm. the choices that I made that he, I think we can make. And I got to make them because I wasn't triggered. I wasn't defensive. Mm-hmm. I didn't need, I, it was okay with me if it was their last session. Mm-hmm. I wasn't personally invested in the, in the outcome. I knew why I had made the choice that I made I, in the previous session. I was open to mm-hmm. being wrong about it, although I don't really think I was. Um, and we got to kind of get to the end of it and go, okay, well, I'm glad that we hashed that out. So in terms of like, yes. what's the point of therapy? I think it is allowing another part to be present while you sort out what all your parts are trying to do as you start to feel crazy, you know, or start to feel mm-hmm. disconnected in your relationship. So mm-hmm. it's, I have people tell me all the time, like I, I will ask them, why did you wait to have this conversation for therapy? Cause so many people are yeah, like, Laura, we have an agenda item. We've been sitting and stewing uh-huh. on this and talking about it for two weeks. We're ready to bring it to the table. And I'm like, why, why are we doing this in therapy? If this has been distant, causing creating distance between the yeah. two of you, you both know it exists, but you've, you've tabled it until therapy. And in so many words, basically what they're saying is you allow for the best versions of ourselves to show up in therapy. Otherwise, all the other parts come to play and the best, the best part of us takes a back seat while all, you know, my, my protective self or whatever, this is all parts work, by the way, it's IFS individual family systems. I think I'm just like, Oh, that's actually pretty cool that there it is again, the parts work. Like there's a, Mm -hmm. there is a part of you that can show up on your best behavior that can show up with your sort of your best stuff. And I think, you know, again, I don't know if you're giving each other something for, for Christmas or for the holidays, why don't you give each other, why don't you give yourself the best part of you or access to the best part Mm. of you while you are gentle with the part of you that's not so sharp, you know? I've been stewing around this a little bit in, um, I don't do any sort of like addiction work at all, but who was I talking to? Oh, I've been meeting. I've been meeting in consultation with therapists here in Bend, which has been really fun for me um, because I'm trying to you know meet the community and be able to understand like how can I give referrals, whatever. So what happens with the consultation group is that you're sitting around a room where everyone has a different sort of modality or uh, lens in which they view couples. And it's really neat because I could meet with the same couple, but I will think of different ways to view their relationship and different ways to intervene. And their background tends to be more in the trauma informed as well as addiction based models. And one thing that I have been learning more and more is that first and foremost, when they're meeting with couples, they have all of these red lights that are going off. That's basically saying what's getting in the way of you showing up as your best self. And I so appreciate that. It's helped me to identify when when couples are coming to me and they're saying, yeah, we tend to get in fights mostly at night, mostly when we're drinking and we're out with friends, mostly, you know, around parenting. And I'm going, okay, here we go. So what do we, what needs to be removed from your no best self? No talking after 10. No talking <laughs> after two drinks. No yes. talking in the yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny because a lot of these couples probably haven't considered alcohol as a problem because it is so socially acceptable, especially around the holidays. I'm thinking about it a lot more just because it's there's a lot of drinking happening around the holidays. Um, and recently I, I just said to this couple, I said, let's do this. Like, let's just see what your relationship with alcohol is over the next couple of weeks. I know that the two of you use it as a way to connect. Let's see what it looks like to remove it from your life. And I just want to sit in that space of just thinking about it or like give it a shot. Try it. 
Um, and the reason why we're talking about it is because it's one of those barriers that stands in the way of them showing up as their best self. Uh, I had a conversation with someone and I said, how did you have such a drastic physical change? And they said it started with alcohol. And what happened was I stopped drinking. When I stopped drinking, I started sleeping better. When I started sleeping better, I started working out in the morning, getting up early. Then I started working out. Then I had more energy. And I was like, holy cow. Like they found the thing to knock over that knocked all the over, over all the other goals. So I'm just thinking about what's getting in the way of you being the best version of yourself. And maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's your depression. Maybe it's your relationship with your mom that's unhealed that Mm -hmm. you need to work on, um, whatever it might be. Yeah. And, and if, I mean, since we're talking about Gabor Mate all day, he would say it's unresolved (laughs) childhood trauma. And that's not Uh, always, Rebecca and I were talking about this last night. That's not always severe. And it's maybe not always looks like trauma. Like Laura and I, you and I both maybe at two years old, got dropped off at our grandparents' house while our parents took a trip to Europe for a week. Um, that may have been traumatic for you and not traumatic for me. Right. Right. Like, I might've been like, oh, this is cool. No big deal. I'm having fun with my grandma. You might've been like, where's my parents? Where? What is wrong? Yep. Why am I alone? Like, And that may not be anything at all that's like wrong or problematic. Our parents may have done nothing wrong, but if the child experienced it as yeah. abandonment, even for seven days at two years old, then that yeah. may that may have that may inform the way that they deal with conflict as an adult. And I think you can get a little too micromanagey about that. Like, oh well then everybody's got trauma and everything is trauma. I think you can. But but the point is if there's something that's going on for you that that hasn't been healed or soothed right. and you drop into your muscle memory as an adult, then you're gonna behave out of that unhealed place and that is yep. that needs attention. And so and then and then that Ooh. that's the root of addiction. That's the root of disconnection. That's the root of ADHD, he would argue. That's the root of mm-hmm. you know, and so maybe I don't want to speak about that ADHD thing. I, he has a book yeah, about I was gonna ADHD, say mm-hmm. really intrigued mm-hmm. to read really intrigued to, to read. But okay. um but his his core message is the same, which is that we need to be gentle and attentive to our our the experiences that shape us so that we can not be subject to their impact, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, As you were talking about trauma and the difference between my experience of of a a life event and your experience of a life event and how we both are going to interpret that's going to show up uh, differently. I heard a quote today. I've never heard it before. And I want to now now I'm throwing a quote at you. Tell me what you think. And if you've heard this before. Perception is reality. Have you heard that? um, Yes. And I do, I do believe that, although that looks really good on a bumper sticker or something, but it's, it needs Mm. nuance, right? Like perception is reality because I make my own reality and I'm using information that I'm consuming to make that reality. So part of that information is my perception. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I have a client say, um, what time are you going to be home? And if I decide that that's that you said, what time are you going to be home? Versus, hey, babe, what time are you going to be home? Like, the sender has no control over how the how the perceiver assigns meaning there. Okay. So perception is reality is true, but that doesn't put. I don't think that puts um, total responsibility on the sender of the message. I think is often how that gets used. You know. Okay, so let me let me take that to this the 
place where the example, right? Okay. Uh, parents leave for a week yep. to Europe. Yep. And the child has an experience of you abandoned me and I can't trust you to be there for me. Yep. And so now I carry that trauma. My trauma is my perception of this yep. event, right? And it's now yep. my reality. But we, what you just said is the, the receiver of that, so parents... Uh-huh. can don't have any control over how that child is going to interpret that event. Is that what I'm hearing you say? What I said was that the parent going to uh going to Europe and and that being a traumatic reality for the child right. doesn't mean that the parents inflicted trauma on the child. Right. That is correct. It means that the parents behaved yeah. And that behavior was interpreted interpreted or perceived traumatically. And that that and yeah. that is reality. That matters. Right. That needs Here's attention. What, but the parents yes. don't need to be like, uh, oh, I'm so sorry I went to Europe. And no other parent should ever go to Europe. And you and right. you know, you are right. I will never leave you. Like that's that's not reality. This is where I see the disconnection. By the way, I think this is one of the best episodes we've done in a long time because we're really going into a lot of interesting areas that I think are really meaningful to hear. Yeah. Um, but the idea, what happens is when you come to somebody and you say, you caused me pain, this was my, my, my reality is that I'm in pain, I'm traumatized, and you contributed to that pain. Those are different. The, well, you, those two okay. things that you just said are different. Thing okay. one that you said How is so? you caused me pain. Uh huh. Thing two that you said is, "This is my reality. I am hurting, and you were this, and you, and it was because of something you did, right? I can't. Okay. I don't. I don't. Know how to, I can Those go back. Different. And different. I can okay. go back and like if we if we played it back or if you hit rewind right. by ten seconds, you'll hear the two different things. <laughs> one of them is you caused me pain. The other one is I'm yes. feeling pain, and I'm assigning that pain to my relationship with you. Those are mm-hmm. different. Yeah. How so? If you walk into a room and, and you, Laura, say to Zach, you cause me pain, I'm immediately defensive. Right. If you walk into a room and say, I am hurting, and yeah. that is because of an interaction or because of our relationship, yes. I, I can validate that truth for you. You can, but I will say the breakdown is, it doesn't matter. I guess I could be as gentle and I could say it the second way, but I find that the breakdown, let's just say my child comes to me and says, mom, I wanted to talk to you. I've been working with my therapist. He's 20 years old. And I wanted to talk to you about an experience I had when I was two years old and you left me for a week yep. in Europe. Yep. And yep. the breakdown is it's too, uh, I believe that you have this reality, but I'm going to discount your reality because I cannot handle the pain that you're experiencing. I, I, it's too much for me to acknowledge that it exists. And so I'm going to dismiss the fact that this was traumatic for you. That's the breakdown that we see in our office every single day is the, certainly the is inability yeah. to validate somebody else's reality yeah. because they take on, I would say, too much of the responsibility of I as a mom have failed because I went for a week or I as a wife have failed because I uh, I have low low sexual desire and my partner is coming to me and saying, I'm having this experience of feeling disconnected and I desire you in all of these ways. I'm just saying that it doesn't matter how gentle we present pain in our office. The response that I see often where it breaks down is when you dismiss somebody else's reality and you says it does it doesn't exist. Your reality yeah. and your pain is too painful f- to exist and for me to acknowledge. And so I'm going to dismiss it. Not because I don't love you. 
but because it's too hard for me to yeah. acknowledge that I have hurt you. Yeah. And I would go anyway. like, well, why is that hard? Why is that hard for you to acknowledge? Right. Like, why um, can't we just allow it to be? Yeah. Or, um, you know, I think, again, I would say, how not, I would say, I think this is what Gabor Mate would say. Mm-hmm. How long has it been hard for you to acknowledge others' pain? Right. Uh, forever is usually the answer. For, forever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you got a thing going on that needs attention that your partner can't do anything about. Yeah. Except be gentle and aware and present. Like that's the thing. Can I, I had a, a really cool moment uh, in therapy where I have a client that tends to their part, everyone else's pain, right? They make themselves overly hyper, like hyper vigilant of tending to everybody else's pain. And so at the end of the session, she said, I just want to check in because it feels like we didn't meet his needs today in session. And I, and then she goes, oh, there I go again, trying to make sure that everybody else around me is tended to and okay. And I'm, you know, and I said, yes. The wife said this. Yes. The wife is tending to everybody else, right? She's a fixer. She's, yeah. Um, And I look at him and I said, that's okay. I, I'm okay with you being uncomfortable leaving today's session, not getting what you want. And it was one of those things where I use that uh, moment to model. It's okay. And I said, I believe that he's going to be just fine tending to himself and his own discomfort and his own frustration of how the session ended. And it was for me being able I to trust say, him to do I, that. I trust you to do that. I trust you to manage your I, own discomfort. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. I trust you to manage your own emotions. And I yeah. also just checked in with him and I was like, she's speaking for you, but tell me, like, how are you feeling? And he, he was like, I'm going to trust the process. And I was like, well, look at that. So yeah, at that's, that's pretty Good, cool. We're out and of I'm going to trust that you know how to manage. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to land the plane. But uh, yeah, I don't know why I started sharing that story, but I think it's pretty fun to be able to model as a therapist that we what we're trying to do in session for our clients. Should we land this plane? Yeah, we should. For a run. I'll, I'll tell you this. I, um, this is my Christmas. This is my holiday gift for everyone. It's a quote again from Gabor Mate. And I think he was quoting someone else, but this is my wish for you, Laura, and for everyone out there listening. He said, all you really need is food in your belly, love in your heart and peace in your family. So I hope you get food in your belly. I hope you have love in your heart. I hope you get peace in your family. And thank you for listening to Marriage Therapy Radio. All right, let's land it. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. Thank you to our sponsor, Dipsy, and as well as a callback to episode 291. So if you're wanting to learn the secret sauce to the lemon nothing bunt cake uh, recipe, go to episode 291 and scroll to the very end of the episode and you too can learn how to make this amazing cake. Thanks for all of your time and attention, making your relationship better today than it was yesterday. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.